This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. You know what happened? It was that we stopped talking and then people went down and that, that was the I problem. I needed the motivation of you slagging me every week to get good results and just imploded without that. Subscribe to the OTV Koi gig pod on the OTV Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, you're welcome back. So Keith Wood is going to join us later on on the show on Wednesday Night Rugby. But in the meantime, we just wanted to touch on the HIA and rugby itself and the HIA protocol, which have been very much to the fore over the past week in New Zealand. All of this against a backdrop of elite players in their 40s, the likes of Steve Thompson and Carl Heyman, big, big names in the game, uh, jump to mind, being diagnosed with early onset dementia. Very happy to say Dr. Barry O'Driscoll is on the line. Evening, Dr. O'Driscoll. Great to have you with us. Uh, nice to be with you. So just uh, to clarify briefly, I'm sure people are vaguely aware of your story, but you were with World Rugby and stepped down a decade ago now, uh, in part to do with the HIA and return to play protocol and, and issues in that general vicinity. That's absolutely right. Uh, I had been on that uh, the concussion committee and their representative at the World Committee meetings uh, for 10 years and I was getting increasingly disturbed by the way they were going treating head injuries and then they decided to bring in a HIA, a five-minute assessment of teenagers at that time in the World Under-20 Championship, which Ireland played in in South Africa, a five-minute assessment, which they claimed would rule out concussion. I resigned at that stage. And uh, I've done my best ever since to uh, bring it to people's attention. And I think that 10 years later, what's happened in the last week or two with the head injuries, I think just proves that they are playing Russian roulette here. They do not have any consistency whatsoever, and it's not scientifically based after 10 years. Mm. A question I want to ask, for instance, so you take Jeremy Lockman and uh, the Mm. rules are that if any player exhibits uh, signs of concussion or has, I think the, the word is like a likely, a likely concussion, then what should have happened is the HIA would have been bypassed and he should have just uh, sat out. Now, that that didn't happen uh, for reasons we can touch on in a moment. But likely concussion means no HIA, you're out of the game, whereas potential concussion means a HIA. How easy is it for a medical professional to make the distinction between likely concussion and potential concussion? Uh, I, I have in my time being a team doctor it's impossible. Simple simple as that, and you only have to watch it every Saturday. The number of people, uh, players, coming off for HIAs, who they say, well, it's just potential. And these are players who haven't been able to get up off the ground and, uh, after a head injury, and they're saying, well, it's not suspect. These players should not be having a HIA. They sh- they're, they're suspect, and therefore they stay off. What is a potential concussion on a rugby field? Please tell me that. Every time the scrum goes down and they bang into each other, there was potentially a concussion there. And I don't know what a potential concussion is, except that it's rugby. And the suspect one is when they show signs or symptoms. So it's completely irresponsible and inconsistent what they're doing. And after 10 years of perfecting this, We've seen what's happened in the last couple of weeks, the difference in what happened to Curry, the English, Johnny Sexton, Luffman, uh, Francis, the, the Welch prof. <laughs> they're all having different interpretations on the state they're in. And, and that was terribly sad because we know that the uh, brain, if you go back on and you have been concussed, the 
brain is much more vulnerable. In Lockman's instance, he yes. had the hit and then he was exhibiting signs of concussion on the pitch and he had the HIA. Now, it transpires the issue there. The reason he had the HIA is that the video replays of him looking very dazed and confused and exhibiting signs of concussion. The video replay wasn't available to the Irish medical team, uh, nor was it available to the HIA independent doctor. And therefore, the HIA happened. He passed the HIA and it was only at half time that the Irish medical team saw the video of Lockman looking in some distress after the hit. And on on that basis, he was withdrawn from the game. But it jumped out, I suppose, to the layman that he had this very significant hit. He looked very dazed and confused, and yet he passed the HIA. And so that that led to misgivings about the HIA and the the standard of the HIA or how much we can rely on the HIA, um, unless Lockman is particularly um, resistant to concussion despite the significance of the hit. I don't know. Well, I think you've covered it very well there. The whole thing that just was he wanted to demonstrate to people that HIA doesn't work. There was a referee on the field, there were doctors watching, there were players watching, and none of them, none of them even thought there was a potential or, um, uh, or a suspect uh, head injury there. And then he has, he has the, then he has the uh, HIA and he passes it. It makes, it makes, it makes, well, it makes me very, very angry. The number of brain injuries rugby is now responsible for, and unfortunately, the the, uh, the damage done in many cases doesn't show for for some years to come. And and they've been experimenting with this for ten years now. Mm. The other, it seems, I want to ask you, Achilles' heel or fundamental flaw in the HIA is mm. that is it right that you may take a bang and it may only be in the 12, 24 hours after that you realise one is concussed? Well, this is a this is the whole point. And uh, when it was first introduced uh, in Boston and they did research on it there and that, um, the, 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 uh, uh, they found out that you shouldn't, in fact, do the HIA for 10 to 15 minutes because that's when the uh, uh, symptoms and signs start to appear. Some may well appear before and some may well appear afterwards. But it's well recognised, this is in casualty departments, never mind rugby, this is across the board to people who are not playing sport and that, that, that 24 hours that twenty four hours after a, a, a possibility of a head injury, possibility of concussion, the symptoms may arise. And yet we in rugby, we are extraordinarily clever. We can sort it out in 10 minutes. I'm conscious with Sexton in particular that people have mm. talked a lot about his medical situation uh, without seeing his records and he's rightly made the point that people are overstepping the mark. But can I ask you in general terms with Sexton who failed HIA1 and then HIA2 happens a couple of hours after the game and he passed that and two days on he's passed HIA3. Uh, I take your point that it's, geez, it's impossible in the, in the heat of the moment in 10 minutes to know if someone has a concussion or not. Would you feel more confident that a player not necessarily Sexton here, but a player who has passed HIA2 and then HIA3 has passed those those subsequent HIAs that actually uh, we could take it with a, a degree more certainty that they are medically fit to play and they haven't been concussed or no? No. it's The whole thing is, is uh, subjective 
and up to the appreciation of uh, of HIA anyway of uh, someone's under, uh, uh, measuring their cognitive function, their memory, and, and it's it's not it's not it's not scientific. And if one person finds it positive, and then five days later, no, it's it, it's okay. Well, it's quite likely to be uh, positive again fifteen days later. It, it is not relevant once you've got a positive HIA. What, what uh, this HIA one, two, and three uh, should all be treated as positive. We are uh, sort of, as I say, playing Russian roulette with our players' brains. So, and Johnny's had a lot of. It. Uh, I'm not talking about Johnny particularly, sure. but 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 obviously when, when there's a history of quite a lot of. Uh, had problem uh, had problems as far as not to go. You're very careful with them. If it was your own child, you'd be pretty careful. So, be it a rugby player who takes a bang to the head, or somebody walking down the street who takes a bang to the head, mm. and then they get a HIA test. What scientific mm. standing does a HIA have? No, it hasn't any scientific standing. It's got a certain amount of uh, a, a, a position clinically looking at somebody, and to but you cannot come to any conclusion as a result of HIA, uh, and uh, they do will do similar things in a doctor's surgery. They will do similar things in a, uh, in a in a casualty and in A and E. They will do similar sort of things, and they will put that into the overall picture, and the overall picture won't won't, won't be complete for over twenty four hours because they come and they go. That's as much as it's worth and no more. Is there any aspect of the HIA that you would say, OK, that does have a certain grounding or, or a real relevance or I would I would find that very indicative? Because most of us listening only have a vague idea of what a HIA is in specific terms. Well, it, it, well, it, it, depending on the, on the results of it, some of it has great significance, but a great significance as part of a clinical appraisal. Hmm. Why the ordinary patient in the street who slips on a leaf and bangs their head on the ground, why they get the full clinical appraisal over several days and the rugby player gets 10 minutes. I don't, I can't, I cannot understand it. The other aspect of this which is disconcerting is that uh, for much of the past decade, so a a generation or two of players, there was a six-day return to play protocol and Mm. that has now been extended to 12 days. And once upon a time, it was three weeks. Yeah, and I was on World Rugby when each of those changes were made. And it was when the start, when it was changed from three weeks, uh, uh, changed right down. Uh, that's when I started to get really worried. And, and I attended the, the conferences in Prague and, and Zurich, the four-yearly conference, and I wasn't really impressed because they, they, they came up for, uh, with no reason for or justification for any moves really like this. And I'm afraid to say that it has it was brought in because the game had gone professional in, in rugby union and therefore to get the player back the next week in six to seven days as opposed to two weeks or three weeks was uh, commercially very, very valuable. And that they had nothing more to base it on than that. And what's your interpretation of the move to 12 days now? It's going, it's going in the right direction. Going in the right direction. I think they've got to go back to three weeks. Uh, they've got to go back to three weeks. When there's, uh, there's uh, as far as I can make out, I, I don't know if well, you've seen it probably better than I have. But there's all sorts of uh, uh, provisos with the with the twelve days. That, oh yeah, but if you had no concussion before, then you can go back earlier than that. And uh, they now have 
three HIAs, uh, and it depends on uh, you can get back before 12 days. Uh, they give every impression of really not knowing what they're doing. And is there any uh, science available to World Rugby and, and the rugby fraternity, which, in your opinion, does, in fairness, allow them to better measure, uh, like be it brain scans or certain cognitive tests, that does allow them to better mesh, measure where a, a, a player is versus, say, the 80s when it was three weeks and it was just a case of, look, yeah. it's a bit more yeah. rudimentary, just take your three weeks. In fairness, are they, are they better able to monitor uh, a patient now? They are, in fact, and in fact, the the the, the, um, uh, the Drake test, uh, which measures the eye movements and can be done straight away, they they won't accept at the moment to say they're doing more research on it. The saliva test and the blood test, they say we're doing more research on it. They're terrified that these are scientific and these are going to show a lot worse. Yeah, and therefore, if you in other words, the, the, the damaged brain. Uh, emits a, a substance which gets into the bloodstream, into the saliva, and it can be measured in the saliva. Uh, not within the first 15 minutes or so, because it has to go to a machine and that, but within the first uh, half hour of the game. So we are getting more empirical as far as measuring mm. actual injury to the brain. And I'm hopeful that that is going to make a big difference. Oh, that's very interesting. So that saliva test, if it comes to fruition then and is, and is, and is um, put into practice, that suggests that we could better adjudicate whether a player who takes a knock in a game is fit to play the following week, for instance. I suppose we still have the fundamental problem as to, is there any way, is there is there any way to... Uh, diagnose whether a player who has just taken a hit in a match is fit to return to the field? At this stage, no. Uh, at this stage, no, because the saliva test, although you take the saliva within, within minutes, the saliva with evidence of brain injury uh, is there within minutes, but to make the, the, it can only be measured in a machine back at the laboratory at the moment, uh, but that will come. Uh, that, that, that makes things very, very difficult. And the powers that be are, are really seriously worried about about that because uh, they're being sued. And if it turns out to be that, in fact, these players are all got brain damage, then so, so they're, reluctant, they're reluctant to let this come in very quickly. OK, well, we'll offer them the opportunity to reply to that. And, and I'm sure they would argue strongly they would do everything in their power uh, including bringing in the saliva test to uh, give a clear picture of a player's health and they have said repeatedly they put player welfare as a priority but I understand you're entitled to give your medical opinion on the um, situation as well. How would you characterise the last decade as you've watched on from afar as as this issue has been discussed more and more and more and people are more aware of it um, and yet the game has become ever more physical? Yes, well you've summed it up there. Uh, I viewed it with huge, huge frustration, basically, huge frustration, um, and uh, sadness that we've not employed everything within our power to find out when a, a player's brain is still injured and then to keep him off the field at that stage. And so uh, are you talking about the saliva test or what other measurements or, or, or instruments would be within uh, well, the power uh, to introduce? Uh, uh, the saliva and the blood test, yeah. uh, but then they're relatively new in the last two or three years. They didn't go back that 10 years ago. 
the contrast scans uh, are becoming more and more sophisticated, the contrast MRI scans, uh, which at a later date can show the uh, show the, 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 the uh, way the brain is going at the moment, but uh, that, that, not to my knowledge, is there anyone that shows it within that first week. But really, the research is, is, is huge that's going in. So that won't be long, thank goodness. And Dr. Driscoll, is there anything that can be done to the game itself? I mean, tackle height has, has been um, worked on and we see red cards increasingly in the game. Is, is there anything else glaring to your eye that could be done to make the frequency of head hits come down significantly? Well, that, that's very interesting. And it's, it's great the way they reduce the head hits. That's very impressive. There's certainly things they can do at the, the ruck and the mall and the way that players go into that because uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of unnecessary head injuries as people fly into these uh, uh, loose rucks. Uh, and uh, beside, besides that, I think it sounds a, a, a blasphemous thing to say that the, the field is getting very crowded. And, and, and if you look at the size of these guys now, uh, and a lot of the games are based on getting the ball and running into someone else and taking him out and then getting the ball and running into someone else. We might think about going down to 13 a side and leaving a bit of room on the outside for people to run with the ball because that's what mm. a lot of the game is about. Just back to one last thought, back to the point I asked you almost at the beginning of the conversation where I was saying, is it possible for a medical professional, in your opinion, to spot the difference between a likely concussion and a potential concussion? Likely meaning you're out of the game, HIA doesn't come into it, it's safety first versus potential where you do have the HIA. So you're saying it's 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 near impossible to make that distinction. Like, presumably human beings do have some capacity to take a hit. Like, would you routinely or even rarely see an occasion where there is a, a knock to the head and you think, well, that's that's unlikely to be a concussion really and so a HIA probably is sufficient or, or is it very rare that you'd see any contact with the head and think it probably is HIA and return to the field? That's, that's also a 64,000 question in, in many ways yeah. a question and um, I, I, I can think of very very few where if you take someone off for a HIA you haven't seen something that makes you suspect a possible concussion. If, if we're going for potential, you see, the concussion can come from from uh, a tackles to the chest. Now, if you see someone bang on, and and and, and uh, because of the whiplash, which we know now causes brain damage, a bad whiplash can can cause that. Mm. Well, these sort of tackles where the head's not touched are going on all the time. Well, that that potential. That potential, you see, because it's not just direct knocks to the head, but the whiplash does cause this particular, this particular brain injury. So it's very, very difficult. And instead, instead, what is happening is that they are treating all the all the uh, possibles, possibly concussed, as as potential and doing HIAs on them uh, at, at, at the moment. As far as obviously, if they carry carried off, they're not. But um, Otherwise, and, and I think it's a big, a big problem. OK, listen, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Dr. Barry O'Driscoll, who was uh, up until a decade ago uh, part of the medical staff at World Rugby. And we will very much extend the invitation to World Rugby to come on and discuss the issue. And again, 
on the point of saliva testing and uh, the extent to which this is a priority for World Rugby, they are absolutely adamant that they are putting player welfare first at all times and applying all the expertise they possibly can to the issue. And we would certainly welcome the opportunity to discuss that with them because um, clearly it's a very important issue in the game. Rugby on Off The Ball With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us